sorry, I just woke up from sleeping in heavenly peace. So uh, I'm just playing with you. So we, we want you to just take a little bit of time every week as you hear that for today and the next couple of weeks to close your eyes and then wake back up, all right? Because uh, I'm going to shout at you. No, I'm just curious. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Are you awake now? Hey, everybody, good morning. There you are. Merry Christmas. Okay, some of you are almost in the Christmas spirit. Hey, I want to shout out to all of you watching us online who do not live in the Sacramento area. Welcome. We're so happy to have you with us this morning. Aren't we, church? Amen. Very Merry Christmas to you as well. Hey, before we get started, I just want to say thank you, congregation, for giving to our canned food drive that's in the lobby. You guys have done a great job with that. By the way, we had a 100-pound food goal. We're at like 180 pounds already. So that's really good. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to give to it, hey, don't worry. Uh, we're still doing it through next week. And so I just want to encourage you, if you got an extra can of green beans in your, in your uh, pantry, go ahead and bring it and, and just give to those who, who need it. This is part of the unleashing compassion part that Christ calls us to. We talked about that last month. So, uh, so thank you so much for, for doing so. I also wanted to give you guys the final number on our global missions offering. Some of you have been asking about that. You know, this year our economy hasn't been the greatest, has it? With 4 to $5 a gallon for gas, rising cost of goods, even a can of green beans, right? But First Baptist, you guys still gave $34,842 to global missions this year. Now, we didn't quite meet our goal of 40000 but hey, that's okay. God was still glorified through your generous giving, and every single dollar will be used for gospel advancement. So once again, just thank you, First Baptist. Thank you for being a generous and giving church with missions on your mind, unleashing compassion with the heart of Christ. We are in our Christmas message series called BC, all right? And uh, it stands for Before Christmas. And so last week we looked at Micah's prophecy of the coming Messiah. Today is part two, and we're going to be looking at Isaiah and why we have a reason for faith. So hopefully you grabbed a program on your way in today. Inside there's a bulletin. Uh, inside the bulletin there's an outline for you to follow along. Of course, you can scan the QR code on the seats right there in front of you. You can follow along digitally with your smart device if, you, if you've got that. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, we will begin there. And while you're finding that, it's survey time, church. All right, so we're going to have a little bit of fun and some congregation participation time. Christmas is in the air. So the first question is, is how many of you already inside your house, you've got your Christmas decorations up? Raise your hand. Almost all of you. All right, good. That's good. Okay, be proud of that. Lots of you. Go ahead and put your hands down. Okay, second question. Now, how many of you have the outside of your house all decorated? Go ahead. Less of you. That's okay. You can be proud of that because Pastor Wayne has nothing on his house. Yeah, you can just be proud of that. Now, just for fun, how many of you here in the room and, and you're watching online, I want to see you raise your hand too. I can see through the, your TV there, okay? How many of you just absolutely love Christmas time? I mean, this is the time of year. It's your absolute favorite. Raise your hand. All right, good, 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 good. All right. If you could have it your way, you'd have it Christmas time all year round, wouldn't you? Uh, others are you're like, no. <laughs> No, 
Some of you would, though. All right, that's all good. It's all good. You know, Christmas is such an exciting time of the year. You've got all the lights. You've got the trees. You've got the decorations. You've got the gifts. You've got all the cookies and the stuff. But we can't forget about the sounds of Christmas, right? So I've got a couple of them to help us get into the Christmas mood today, all right? So here's the first sound bite. Let me go ahead and play it right here. Go and tap your toe. Come on. A beautiful sight for All right, that's good. Thanks. Hey, just a little bit of a side note. About 30 of us from the church went out this week. We went caroling to some of our homebound people. We sang that song. It was pretty awesome, you guys. And uh, we ministered to some of our homebound church members. It was really cool, and we sang that song. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't we sing that song? No, we sang Silver Bells. Same song. All right. Oh, I know. I was singing that in the car ride to the... (laughs) I can't believe I forgot that. Yes. But at least you're laughing. All right. And you were tapping your toe. Here's a second one. This would be a good one here. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Ah, yes. Come on, church. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. That's it. I hear them singing. Come on. Come on. Yuletide carols being sung by choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Ah, yes. Christmas classic. Makes you want to cuddle up by the fireplace with your favorite blanket. Right? Nice cup of hot chocolate and a good book, right? Okay, now now the next one here is probably the ultimate Christmas classic. I know it's hard to get much better than the two we just sang, right? In fact, this one, for many of you, might even be your personal Christmas season theme song every single year. And for some of you, this might even be your life's theme song. Let's go ahead and play this one. Right? <laughs> okay, so, so not very Christmassy. But the reason for that song is because oftentimes during the Christmas season, for certain folks, it's not such a happy time. All right? For some people, there's, there's uncertainty, fear, anxiety, and all these kinds of things that take place. And for these folks, it's not jingle bells. They're not laughing all the way while riding in a one-horse open sleigh, right? Christmas is actually more like a, the Jaws theme because life's just found a way to punch them in the gut. And maybe this is you. 
Now, for, for you, it might be a concern about a job situation, right, where the company might be having budget cutbacks this next year, and you might be asked to relocate or, or something to that effect. For, for some of you, it might be that, that, that there is someone in your family that's recently passed away, or maybe you have somebody who's very ill, and so this time of year is just, is just really difficult. And for others of you, it might be that you're having a difficult situation relationally with somebody in your own family. There's a high degree of conflict that's going on. It might be concerned with finances, right? I mean, inflation is what it is. It's causing some real issues in our, in our society. Housing, gas, food prices are all a real burden for some people right now. Others of you, it might even be your kids or your adult kids. Some of the decisions that you're watching them make are causing you to have some grief inside of your your soul. So there's just all kinds of things that are possibly going on in your world, and we know that there's things going on in the world around us here at Christmas time. And so maybe we're just having some difficulty. But on the positive end, one of the things that's good about Christmas is the theme that it brings us as believers, and that's this. Christmas brings peace, hope, and joy because of Jesus. And my prayer for you today is that, is that, that you look at Jesus Christ and consider why he even came to begin with. And that this Christmas would give you a reason for faith. That you would move forward in faith in spite of all of the difficulty that you might be facing in your life and with what's going on in the world around us. So if you missed last week, the background for this sermon series is this. In the Old Testament, God spoke to his people throughout all of time. And in, there was a certain period of time called the time of the kings. And God used the prophets to bring his message to the kings and the people at this time in Israel's history. And so the prophets were called by God to give his message to the people. And so God used the prophets to give warnings, to give direction, to give guidance, and all those types of things. And the amazing part of all of it is this, and you may find this hard to believe, but many of the kings did not listen to the prophets. They ignored God's instructions. I mean, I know, right? I mean, we would never do such a thing because we always listen to God and do everything that he tells us to, right, church? Always, that's right. But back then, they did not. And as a result, they had problems. Chaos happened. Wars with rival nations started. And so things just became a total mess for a long time. Now, side note, by the way, we are still dealing with ripple effects today in 2023 of Israel not obeying God in biblical times. That's true. It's almost as if God knew what he was talking about. Hmm, something to think about on that. In Israel's history, the third king was Solomon. And when he died, the, in the year 930 BC, Israel ended up dividing into two kingdoms, north and south. In 721 BC, that's when the north was conquered by Assyria, and then the south was later sacked by Babylon in 597 BC. But approximately in the year 742, so both countries are still there, both kingdoms, Isaiah comes onto the scene and he becomes a prophet. And we read in Isaiah chapter 6, 
Verse one, here's what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now let me just pause right here, everybody, okay? This is important stuff. A lot of times we read over this sort of thing in scripture, but this part is actually what sets the context of when all of this took place. It tells us of what was going on in Judah at the time. King Uzziah, if you don't know, this guy was a very popular king in Jerusalem. He reigned for about 50 years, and he was considered a reformer, and he got rid of a lot of the political corruption that was around. Judah prospered financially under his reign, and he cleaned up much of the, of the mess from the kings that came before him. So, so things were, for the most part, pretty good under King Uzziah. Now, they weren't perfect, but they were peaceful. And so then he dies, And so Isaiah is around for all of this. And a few years after King Uzziah dies, the Assyrians show up and attack the northern kingdom. So there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty for the Jews in the south at this point in Jerusalem. I mean, they're thinking, I mean, are we next? Is Assyria going to come here? Oh, no, what are we going to do? Right? There's some of that thing going on. And so there's this uncertainty, this, this anxiety, this fear. And as we think about this concept in our own life, there's been many times of uncertainty in our country's history. And for us in this room, last week, we talked about World War II and how it affected some of your lives. Some of you are around for that. Many of you remember the Vietnam War in the late 1960s and how our country was just in turbulence and it was just a tough time. Most of us can remember 9-11 in 2001. That sent shockwaves through our American way of life. Do you remember what you were doing when the Twin Towers were hit? I do. I was walking across Cal Baptist campus on my way to Spanish class. It became the subject of the day. We didn't do Spanish that day. We talked about airplanes running into buildings. Everywhere you turned, people were just in shock. And then we had a couple of years ago, you remember this one, back in 2020, COVID showed up. All of us remember this guy, right? Some of us even had family members who died because of this crazy virus, I read that COVID has accelerated the greatest cultural shift in the last 500 years. And COVID is still causing people some uncertainty this very day, three and a half years later. Variants are still coming up. Some people are still wondering what the future holds. In fact, psychologists are now dealing with what is called PPSD, post-pandemic stress disorder. And you can read all about that if you're interested in that in the National Library of Medicine. And for us, we've learned that it's not if something's going to happen, it's when something's going to happen. That's one of the things that I've learned from those who've gone before me. Just a matter of time, isn't it? Yep. And so God gives Isaiah this vision, and here's what Isaiah says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they they were flying. Verse three. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole 
earth is full of his glory. So God sends a revelation, a vision, if you will, to the prophet Isaiah, and and that he gives this revelation to the people in a time of uncertainty. And number one in your outline, this vision is that there is another king. There's another king that's going to come, and, and, in, and in your outline, you can see that this king is going to be a king who is never going to die. It's a king whose glory will fill the entire earth. And if you think about that, there are churches everywhere around the world today singing praises to this king, and his name is Jesus. And Isaiah says, this king, he's going to be a king whose kingdom will never end. And what's amazing is not only did God give Isaiah this revelation that we see in chapter 6, but God also reveals to Isaiah a message about the birth of this king. And we see this in chapter 7, verse 14. It's in your notes. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So not only is this vision of him coming, but God tells him how he's going to come, how it's going to happen. Folks, this is big. And it leads us to number two in your outline is the king is coming to be with us. So I just want to pause for a second and think about that. We know that scripture says our God is for us. Now, now, now that's huge in and of itself, but right, right now Isaiah is saying that our God is going to be with us. Emmanuel. And he's going to be born in a very unusual way from a virgin. From a virgin. And we see all this take place in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, Scripture says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, referring to Isaiah. Here it is, verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And and Matthew goes on to say what it means, and it means God with us. 700 years or so, Before Jesus was born, Isaiah speaks forth words from the Lord. And then in the New Testament, Christ comes exactly as Isaiah had prophesied. Jesus was born of a virgin. Christ has now come and he's been born in a very unusual way. And the full story of the birth of Christ is found in Luke's gospel. So let's go there real quick. Just look at, with me at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verse 30. We pick up the story. The angel shows up to Mary. And he says, don't be afraid, Mary. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're Mary, are you going to be like totally chill? Uh-uh. You're going to be like, right? Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Verse 32. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. 
and he will reign over Israel for how long, church? Forever. His kingdom will have no end. It will never end. And then in verse 34, Mary's response, she's hearing all this stuff. And in verse 34, she's, Mary asked the angel, um, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. That's a great question, Mary. I'm glad you asked. And then verse 35, the angel goes on and tells her how she's been chosen by God and that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and it will be a complete work of the Lord. And if you skip down to verse 37, a little bit of historical background, it says, for the word of God will never fail. Some of your versions may read, nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Church, what God orders, he pays for. His word will never fail. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas time every single year. God isn't just for us, church. He is with us. Amen? And then number three in your outline, we see that Isaiah's prophecy came true. <clears throat> As I mentioned last week, when Christ was born, all the conflict on earth just came to a screeching halt, right? Is that what happened? No. <laughs> there was no immediate peace on earth, goodwill to men. It did not happen. I mean, Jesus showed up, but there wasn't peace on earth. Why? Because we live in a broken world. And if you go all the way back in your Bible to Genesis chapter 3, you see when sin entered the world. Things got broke then. And we've had sin and brokenness and conflict and chaos ever since. I mean, have you watched the news this last week, everybody? Right? You see what I'm saying? So, so we're not surprised by any of this. Chaos in the world is always going to exist because of sin. And it's going to be there until Jesus returns for the second time and cleans it all up. Isaiah's prophecy comes true. Jesus was born in the midst of all this turbulent times. I mean, think about it. Roman oppression. And look what Isaiah said 700 years before the birth of Christ. Chapter 9, verse 6. He says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, what church? Wonderful, mighty, everlasting, prince of And now verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. What an amazing promise the Lord has given us. And as you think about your own life and, and, and you have to endure all the toxic relationships in life that you have to deal with and the demands of your family and the financial stress in our world and just all the chaotic things that, uh, that happen and all the uncertainty in the midst of all of this in your life right now, Jesus is king and there will be no end to his reign. And I put this in your outline, I put the big idea of today's message, and it comes from this verse that we just read, is that Jesus, he is our king who overcomes. He's the king of kings. 
He's the Lord of lords. And it's through him that we're able to have the victory over all of the chaos and uncertainty in life. And Christmas time is a reminder of that very truth. So let's just think this through a little bit. Isaiah prophesizes, 700 years pass, Jesus is born. Jesus grows up, and around the age of 30, he begins his ministry. And just imagine the hope that everyone had that the king had come. And so Jesus goes out, and he heals people. And, and sick people lose their sickness, children, parents, women, and elderly people. And just imagine that this was you that got healed by Christ. Or maybe it was your mom or your dad or your sister, your brother, whatever it is, somebody that you loved got healed. Jesus would just, he would just touch them and he, they would be healed. Boom! What would that feel like to you? You'd be blown away in amazement. Your emotion would be very thankful. You'd be so excited to see this guy, Jesus. Jesus goes off into the distance and he feeds 4,000 people at one place. And at another place, he feeds 5,000 people. He casts out demons. He resurrects people who are dead. Think of Lazarus, right? He's wowing people left and right. The promised king from the Old Testament has come. And the people are experiencing in real time a living, breathing Messiah. And then all of a sudden, the unthinkable happens. Darkness pushes back on light, and Jesus gets betrayed by one of his closest friends and gets arrested. He gets accused of being a king. You know the story the Pharisees say, there's no king but Caesar. They can't stand the guy. And in John's gospel in chapter 18, we see Jesus' interaction with Pontius Pilate. If you don't know who Pontius Pilate is, he was the appointed servant of Rome. He was the local governor. Starting in verse 33 of John chapter 18, it said, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Verse 37 you are a king, Pilate said. So what did they do? You can read the story, but Pilate, Pilate sentenced him to death. The Roman soldiers spat on him. They flogged him with a cat of nine tails. And look what John chapter 19 verse 2 says. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hey! king of the Jews and then they slapped him in the face now imagine you're a follower of Christ and you were right there watching all this you went all in with Jesus the promised king from the book of Isaiah and remember some people got disowned by their families for following Jesus they lost careers 
They gave up their, their method of, of making a living. All for the sake of following Jesus. And so Jesus does all these amazing miracles. Then all of a sudden, he's captured, arrested, sentenced to death. Then they put this crown of thorns on his head. Now, here's something to think about the crown of thorns. The crown of thorns was made from a jujube tree. And when I was in Israel this last year, I touched a branch of one of these trees. And folks, these thorns are for real. Okay? They are strong and they are tough. The closest thing that I've ever seen in the U.S. that's like this is a lemon tree. Big, strong, thick, tough thorns. And so when you think about this crown of thorns, it's gnarly. And in Matthew, Mark, and John's Gospels, there's two Greek words that we see for the word crown. The first one is, in Greek, it's, it's called diadema. And this is where we get the English word diadem. And there's a hymn where we sing the words, bring forth the royal diadem. Right? So this idea here is that this crown is a royal crown. It's what you would give a king. Think Disney cartoons, right? That kind of thing. You'd give, you'd give it to a king or the king of England or whatever, okay? But the crown that the Roman soldiers put on Jesus is a different word. It's the Greek word stephanos. And it means to crown. And it just so happens to have been a crown of twisted branches. But this word stephanos would be used when a crown would be placed onto a champion. For example, someone who wins an event at the Olympic Games to show that you are the victor of an event. And so it's interesting here, the number four in your outline, the soldiers placed on Jesus a victor's crown. You see, what they thought was mocking Jesus and making fun of him and saying, hey, you're the king of the Jews! Ha, 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 slap. In their attempt to humiliate Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, what it does is it actually paints a picture that he is the victor. You catch this? That he's the one who's going to win the battle. And if anything, what should happen, brothers and sisters, is that this should bring us a reason for our faith this Christmas time. It's that the Lord that we worship is the Lord of victory. And then we get to Easter, right? Easter comes, and a few months from now, we celebrate that. Well, the story is Jesus dies three days later. He overcomes the grave. He's resurrected. And then he ascends into heaven in Acts chapter 1 and tells his disciples that he will return for them again at some point in the future. But in the meantime, the Lord gives his disciples a mission to accomplish. And one of the things that he gives his disciple that he loved John to do was write a book. And so John, while he's on the island of Patmos, writes the book of Revelation. A revelation of what is to come. That's the last book in your Bible. And in chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 16, John writes to us and says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written. What is it, church? King of kings and Lord of lords. Folks, that's good stuff. 
So let's put it all together. In the midst of whatever chaos is going on in our lives right now in 2023, and in the midst of whatever chaos is going on in the world around us, right now, this Christmas season, there's uncertainty in our world, and maybe you're hearing that Jaws theme in the back of your mind all the time. And in the midst of that, Christmas is a reminder that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he was crowned in a way that was supposed to mock him, but actually it was a sign of victory. And so in the midst of all these difficulties that come our way in life, I put in your outline, I want you to know this. When life feels uncertain and scary, We don't have to fear because Jesus is our king. And if Jesus were here right now standing on the stage or sitting right next to you in your seats, imagine him saying what I'm about ready to read because I think he would say to you this. Insert your name, John, Bob, Sally, Susie, Wayne. I wore a crown of victory even as I carried a cross. I believe he would say, I moved the stone after the grave was sealed and was shut. I believe he would say, because I love you, I'll stand in the midst of your chaos when you can barely crawl. I believe Jesus would say to you, because I am your king of kings and Lord of lords, and get this promise, my friends, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Maybe you've heard of Corrie Ten Boom. In the mid-1900s, she was known as a jeweler and a watchmaker. And then she worked to free the Jews during the Holocaust. She became a Christian writer and a Christian speaker. But she had a very famous saying, and it was, when the train goes through the tunnel and gets dark, don't throw away the ticket and jump off the train. Trust the engineer. Folks, that's how it works being a Christ follower. In life, there are dark tunnels that we go through, and there's not going to be any quick fixes. And in the midst of the dark tunnels, in the midst of uncertainty and the chaos and all the stuff that happens, we remember the Christmas story that the reason we have faith is because there was a promised king that would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace, and one that would never leave us or forsake us. We have an engineer that we can trust to get us through the dark tunnels of life. The reason we have faith is because we have a king. He came as a baby 2,000 years ago, and that same king conquered death and made a promise to us. He will never leave us or forsake us. What's your dark tunnel in life today? Maybe you have many of them. Maybe you got all kinds of things just weighing heavy on you, weighing heavy on your family. Maybe it's the result of disobedience in your own life. Maybe it's just because of brokenness and sin in the world. And your problem was caused by circumstances beyond your control. Well, my friend... Let me encourage you, just take joy. Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the prince of peace. 
And he says to cast all of our cares upon him. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So as we close this morning, I just want to encourage you to do that. Allow the peace of God to come over you right where you sit right now. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill your soul and to give you peace in the midst of the dark tunnel that you're in. And it all starts with you and with me giving up control of the situation that we're in. God, I can't do this, but you can. He's the engineer. Church, I'm asking you today, would would you take the next step? Would you step out in faith? Would you allow Jesus to take control of your situation? Would you do that this morning? Christmas is all about Jesus. And this Christmas, on this day, December 10, 2023, God is calling you to take the next step of faith and obedience because Jesus is the promised king and he is the reason for faith. The question for you today is, are you gonna trust him? I'm gonna ask that you would stand and pray with me this morning. Father, as we're here today, as you've got our attention, God, I pray right now that we would open our hearts up to your spirit, that we would be sensitive to what it is you're trying to say to us, Lord. We're thankful for Isaiah and his prophecy so many years ago about the Messiah who would come, born of a virgin, in Bethlehem, that he would be Emmanuel, God with us. And so, Lord, we are so thankful that you have come and that you've made a decision to be with us. And so, Lord, we just accept that with open arms. We recognize that you're for us, but you're with us. And so, God, right now, I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this room that in the midst of the turbulence that they are feeling in each of their own lives and homes and situations, God, that you would be present first and foremost. God, that you would bring peace in the midst of that turbulence. Lord, we know that it's not gonna just go away, but because you promised to be with us, we can have faith that you're there with us. So God, I just pray that we would step out in faith today, that we would trust you because you are the everlasting father, the prince of peace. The congregation, as you're here today and you're listening to all this and maybe today's a day where you've been thinking about your life and you're recognizing your, your situation and, and maybe today's a day that, that you're realizing that you don't know Jesus, this prince of peace, this everlasting father who came from a virgin. You don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him. You've never stepped across the line in faith. Well, I want to invite you to let today be a day where you step out in faith. You don't have to know everything. All you have to do is say, I'm willing to trust. Would today be a day that you're willing to trust? Would you be willing to trust Jesus as Lord of Lords and King of Kings? And so if that's you today, just say, 
I'm willing to trust Jesus. I'm willing to trust you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. So right now, December 10th, I confess you as Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you from this day forward. Lord, we're praying to you today that you would do an amazing work in all of our lives. God, let today be a day where we grow in faith because of our decision to trust you. So I lift up this entire congregation and those watching us online today, God. I ask you to be with them in their homes this Christmas. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Congregation, as you're here today, I'm glad you're here. Yes, amen. We serve a great and wonderful and risen Lord Jesus. And Christmas is that time where we get to reflect on who he was. He was the most amazing person that has ever lived. There'll never be another one like him. And so as you're here today, I just want to thank you for being here. Let this season be a time of hope and peace and faith for you in your homes. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to respond. I'm going to give you two ways to possibly respond. Number one is in your in your, uh, your pew rack in front of you, there's a connection card. You could scan that QR code and do the same thing, but I want to invite you to fill that out. Respond publicly to Jesus today. Let us know. Fill that out. Check that box that says, accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then we want you to take that card to the connection kiosk in the back. Pastor Dan and his crew are there in the lobby, and we want you to give that to him. We're going to give you some resources to get you started on your faith journey. And then we want to be in contact with you and, and help you get more knowledge and more understanding and, and help you with the next steps in following Jesus. It's the best decision of your life. And you might say, well, Pastor Wayne, like, I have some more questions. Like, can I talk to somebody? Well, the answer is yes. Right over here to my left, your right. But when we dismiss in just a minute, don't leave. Come talk to one of our encouragers. Let us walk with you and answer questions that you might have. Maybe you just need more questions about faith. We're here to talk with you. We'll pray with you. We'll point you in the right direction. We want to partner with you as you take steps to follow Jesus. That's what the church is about, being on mission, helping people connect with, God, with Christ. So today, let that be a day. Maybe you just need some prayer as well. You're struggling in faith. Times are difficult. You just need somebody to pray with you. They're available for that as well. So don't go home today without connecting with God. And let's connect with each other. Amen, church. Glad you're here today. One thing left to do, let's go be the church. God bless you. Have a great week. Shake a hand with somebody next to you. Have a great week. God bless you.